you are welcome to here on the ground at www.theelephant.info. People know mostly like it here with Nanyuki. From my 2017 when Nanyuki as the county headquarter for like it was moved to Rumuruti, then it was a very small town. Rumuruti is now the county headquarter, though not so many people know about it. People have always known Nanyuki, maybe because of the hotels and, and the whites over there and the military the airport there and many other things. Rumuruti now is a buzzing town. For the last three years, it's been growing really fast. So that's the, the headquarters currently, though the county has not moved its offices from Nanyuki. Right now, they're still in Nanyuki, but the offices here actually look complete from the outside. But maybe because of the COVID and the fear of the virus, maybe they have not moved offices. I actually heard that they are doing their um, meetings online. And maybe probably that helps a little. So, but Kipia is vast. That's actually from Nyahururu, connected to Nyeri County also on the Lekipia East. And then north all the way to the borders of Isiolo. And also further to Samburu, Akdubutamarmar, and and also on border with Baringo and Nakuru on the south end of it. It's a vast county and it's really moving fast. The main economic activities, of course, is agriculture and livestock. So livestock is especially is big because the vast lands actually produce more uh, livestock and the livelihoods of the pastoralists here has also contributed a lot. Yachumuruti on Thursday is usually the market day and that's where most animals are brought to the town for sale. So it's a busy day actually on Thursday. But it doesn't only happen in Yachumuruti, but also extends to other towns like Sipili, which has also been connected to Indatama and has their market days on Saturday. It's a big market also for livestock and food and items and all sorts of things that can happen on a market day. The other market in a place called Costa or Mowarak towards Samburu. And other markets also in the most interior places where items come in. People will move from actually the villages, go to a market probably in Mowarak, and then the guys who sell stuff there also may move from Mowarak to Rumuruti and they continue selling their stuff. So it's a rotational kind of market which really works for people. The other major thing that people do here, of course, is agriculture. And it's known mainly for tomato growing. A big business is something that is holding the economy in Laikipia. And people do it ranging from small scale all the way to huge farms like the one I'm talking about right now. Maybe you've heard before people talking about, oh, we need water for irrigation. And it's because they have occupied along the Ewasonaro River. And that's where people have really farmed. Sometimes people are complaining and saying they have dried the river with pumps. And, but still, it's a, it's a big river and it's a major river. And drain, it, it really works. But also tomatoes with rain doesn't work. So it's a kind of a trivia and a thing with nature as well. Right now, with the effects of COVID, these things definitely have been affected. All the markets have been closed. There are no activities as days like usual. Just to interject a bit, in terms of closing down the market, was there a confrontation? Mm-hmm. And then how have people reacted? 
two ways. Eh? The first, uh, when, when when the officials came to the market, of course they used the market to make the announcements of telling people there's this pandemic, wash your hands, this is what these are the things you do. And they gave a warning that if this thing continue, we may end up closing the market. So as it happened, I was actually on the market when those announcements were being made. And during market day, people were told not to sell anything and go back. Of course, people protested and moved a little further away to the road. And then the chiefs and the OCS, they came up to the people and told them, people leave. The next time we come here, of course, we'll come, we'll come with tear gas and whips. So people moved a little further again. And of course, the, the OCS again was notified and he came and told people, by noon, I don't want to see anybody here. So of course, people complied. And then the following Thursday, there were no markets. So people complied. I think there is, there is one activity that the pastoralist has been having. It, it's actually a season of circumvision. So there are things called lorora. They make boots up in the bushes. They make manyatas and they settle there until the boys are circumcised. So it takes a month long and you will have like 100 to 200 boys being circumcised. So you can imagine if you have 100 boys, how many families will be congregating? So about a, a thousand people on average will be congregating. So that was one of, of the places also causing, uh, causing trouble or, or causing panic because you know there are many people congregating, there's this pandemic, and yet uh, people are still ongoing. Schools have closed and children have come back and those who are going for circumcision are also joining with them. So the chiefs, had to notify the authorities, and the authorities still came, engaged the community, talked to them, and, and told them they have to dismantle their manatas and have to stop the culture and the practice they, they have been doing for the longest. So dismantling that was a bit hard also, because, of course, there is also not staying indoors, because it's a, it's a free, it's not like Nairobi or Nakuru or another major town. People are in their thugs, they're in their homes where they do their usual things with no restrictions. So this time they're being told you have to leave. You have to go and stay safe. And of course you'll, you, you'll find people who are not understanding what this is. And then there's a the, the bit of communication. I think uh, when you try to explain how COVID symptoms appear, especially the elders will say, you need hope too, it's a Why are you scared? Why tell us to wash our hands or something like that? Actually, think out of that is why most el- uh, elderly people have contracted because of that is we are missing reports. And this this time round, um, they actually heeded to the information, and I think the officials, of course, had the struggle at first. At first, but um, as they continued, uh, people obeyed. People followed the instructions. So. I've seen people moving. In fact, this morning, the cattle being driven away uh, from the gathering. And people have dismantled their, the auroras. I don't know if the rest of the interior places where maybe you have not reached or heard of, maybe they're still ongoing or it's been closed. Circumcision ceremony, I mean, given how high that increases the chances of, you know, coronavirus. Uh, infection, you know, how have they handled it? Have they postponed it? How does that affect the cats in terms of their tradition and timings and seasons? Of course, it's a confusion, because eh? there are those traditions that people have to uphold. Uh, let me just explain to you the gravity of the Lorora. Eh? It's an age-set 
initiation ceremonies that run for a long time. Before another one happens, it will take another 10 years. So if we skip, if they skip this function, it means uh, it's not going to come back again after 10, 10 years. And in 10 years, we'll have another aid set. So it's a, it's a key thing for them. But over and above that, of course, they, they, they did their ceremonies in different places and observing the social distance and all that. But it's a bit hard because imagine uh, 500 people to 1,000 people congregating in a small area could be quite tragic. And then, of course, the lack of water and sanitization stuff and all that, because it's not like the city, of course, that you'll run. Of course, people will go to the river and all that, but it's still, God forbid that if anything will break um, um, among us at a place, it will actually be devastating because they are not those, those measures are not really tight to. But over also to the city eh, or the towns, major, majorly, because somehow complied. They, I've moved in the town several times and I realized that people have observed um, the measures given. You will find water or sanitizers. You will find a place to wash your hands outside and then you will also find sanitizers inside. And some, those especially handling cars um, or those having to touch stuff and all that, you will find them with gloves and masks. So generally, there is a certain kind of fear of this thing could be serious, could be dangerous, and people have observed. And I also noticed that I think Lakitia County um, government, especially to their credit, I think they were they are among the first people to respond because actually when the president was making the initial announcement, I think the following day in Lakitia actually got through a police barrier with a clinical staff and they did those clinical uh, of course, taking the temperature and getting to know, and I wondered, Allah, is this? They have been so quick. And then the following day, I saw someone from the county and some guys spraying around the, all the places. They started spraying as if there was an outbreak already here. So I think they took the earliest measures. I hope it works and saves us all. Unlike the other places where I've heard that they delayed or people are still going to work, people are not observing what they were being told. So somehow there is a sense of people responding uh, well, but also there are people watching. People are trying to get information. Uh, people are waiting for, you know, like if you are it's actually one of the biggest and crowded. And it's an entry point from Nakuru, Nairobi, Nairi. So people wait for anything. Any information from Nyahuru. If they hear this, is one Anything mentioned about Nauru and the COVID thing, that's the place where people will say, uh, I think this thing is now going to get here. So it's almost like an entry point. Uh, and, of course, there are those measures also about the barriers and they are doing the clinical test at the entry point from uh, Nairobi, from Nakuru, the major, the major entries to the county. So they're trying their best. I, I hope it does work. Actually, realized when I moved to Lakeipia some three years ago, I realized that actually the, the the governor here is more concerned about health and the health facilities. I moved to different health um, facilities in Lakeipia. Those some lack key equipment and key tools, 
and even the message the governor has been passing over universal health care and all that, he has really tried as much as possible to integrate and ensure that there is at least the hospitals have the necessary equipment, though not all, because there is a time we are looking for our next uh, X-ray scan in Rumuruti and Red, referred to Nyahururu and eventually to Nakuru, which I also had to question and ask, hey, uh, you say these things have been put in place, but they are not functioning or someone is not there to try and give the assistance that is needed. But I realized the other hospitals interior, like a place called Kimanji. In fact, the governor had asked uh, the Kimanji University to help in research to find out what was happening because they equipped that in, uh, hospital with everything, with equipment, with doctors, with everything needed. Yet the community there would prefer to use traditional remedies for their treatment and would rarely go even to, to the hospital there maternity set there, but people will prefer to give birth at home. And they needed to really find out why people will prefer traditional remedies rather than go to a hospital that has been equipped and has everything they will need. So that's one of the things he was questioning and asking the university to help with, do some research on how to engage the community whenever they are providing a solution so that that solution actually goes straight to, uh, to the community. So that's one major, major thing uh, that I saw the governor trying as much as possible to talk about. Most actually of his posts on the pages and on Facebook were on universal health care for everyone. Uh, and the other thing that I was talking about earlier, especially concerning the market base, are the sale of uh, tomatoes. See, tomatoes are perishable. Eh? So when they are right in the farm, they need to go to the market. So for a farm like a 60 acres of tomatoes that, um, that is overlooking me right now, you will imagine the number of people that will be needed to harvest the tomato. It's also putting in the risk factors of COVID. That is something first be scared of. Eh? Because you know, at least 200 people, 250 will be congregating. Uh, they will be paid in cash. I don't know if they have a plan to send them to money because most of them will be local or so young girls and boys who are not in school. They are trying to get an extra income by engaging in maybe trying to harvest. So these are risks. Precaution is not taken during harvesting. It's also another risk. And then for the farmer, the guy doing their business or whatever the person is doing, then they have to find the market. Now with all markets closed. I don't know how they will work, out, work it out, but that's the dilemma they are in right now. So people are looking for someone to buy them, and that someone needs to come from a place they know they at least they are safe or nothing wrong is happening, and that the product will find will go to the market and eventually to the people. So knowing also that people will need food, and people have food here in their farm, so there is also a risk of Tomatoes will rot in the farm or still uh, suffering or in need of food. So there needs to be a mechanism in which food can be transported to the people who don't have food from farms that are already having food. So if tomatoes get right here, there needs to be at least a mechanism. If lorries have to be allowed pick and markets being open, then if they are open, at, uh, people can give suggestions of what can be done so that it can... It can reach the people, because I know there are people who are farmed, they eat food, 
the distribution now becomes a challenge. So one of the farmers was telling me, my tomatoes are 10 days uh, getting ripe, but Corona is not allowing me to sell them because I can't find someone to buy them at a good price. If they stay more than 10 days, I'll start losing them. What do supply chains look like on the ground in terms of, does Laikipia County grow most or at least a fair share of its food? Does it import these foods? I mean, besides tomatoes, all the other food stuff are they brought in from other counties? And how is that working out right now? Of course, Laikipia has more food for its, for its own people. But of course, there are other foods that will come from, let's say, Meru, Nyandarwa, Nakuru. In fact, it can extend also all the way to other counties, but majorly, uh, Samburu also for livestock for that matter, because we have uh, livestock coming from Samburu to Lakitia. The Samburu guys now are not coming this other side. They are doing their own thing on the other side, but they have to pass through Lakitia to carry their stuff. So, of course, food comes from outside. The, the people can survive on food within, those ones are okay. They are not in such a demand, but it's definitely those whose business were focused on transporting food, let's say from Meru or Nyeri, those ones have already been affected definitely because of no movement or minimal movement at the least. Thinking also this issue of uh, the fact that it's also a tourism county, and then it has mm-hmm. a huge population of mostly British, but also American mm-hmm. uh, uh, soldiers. How does that affect, you know, perceptions, especially given that uh, this COVID-19 is mostly viewed as this classist yeah. that is brought about by these people who are flying around? How are people processing that and how is that affecting community dynamics? Yes, I, I actually followed up um, a, a friend working with a certain trust here and he was actually worried because he was telling me, hey, I've seen lorries of the British soldiers coming in I think we'll have trouble soon if they are infected. So it, it's a scare also, and there's a certain mentality of people seeing them and saying, ah, those are Wazungus, have they come with corona or something? So they will just say it like that, but if they got an interaction or an invite, definitely you see people rushing towards them and engaging, not caring. Uh, there are those also who are defending, like, yeah, you welcome them, they are working with our community. Uh, it's, it's a tricky situation or a, a tricky space. Not so sure how they will engage or interact with the community where if they are just going for their usual trainings and they are by themselves and they are taking their own precautions. Probably that will not be a worry, but the strength that the government is engaging to the extent of closing schools, businesses, all these meetings and all that, you realize that this is also one of the things that can cause panic or when people learn that if people came in from abroad or we don't know where they came from or whether they have been around and they have been told to stay a little longer, so the information definitely will not be given out so clearly. So you really have to find out or really have to engage more and get to know uh, how, how they are handling. As for the resorts and the hotels that are here, definitely I think the most hit will be hotels because uh, if, if there were guests, maybe they are still there. Because <laughs> mostly for the resorts here, people from abroad will be coming. And I saw um, a National Geographic pass by, and I realized these guys will be around here maybe for a while. Uh, 
not moving anywhere. Those who are already here are the ones probably still staying around. And that's also a tricky place because if the hotels run out of food or stuff they need, because some of them try to be self-sufficient in what they do, but definitely you can't be disconnected for far too long. You'll get to a place where you have to interact, you have to engage, you have to do something different. And it's almost getting there because you, you see people moving around, even as I told you, moving around. And wildlife moves to a certain place, they are following up, or they take some activity with the conservancy people. So, so when these things happen, nobody knows for sure how long. Uh, it will be. So some try as much as possible to reinvent themselves or try to try things. And I saw some time, I don't know, someone told me they've, that's what they've been doing because it's a conservancy, it's a wildlife uh, thing, but I passed by and noticed that there are so many cattle and, and sheep. So they are also keeping livestock. So on that, Allah, these guys also keep livestock for sustainability or for anything. So don't really expect them to really go down or really be out for that long because if they are keeping livestock and in huge numbers, not like 10 or 15, it's in thousands actually. So it's not something that will really um, put them off right now. So they are trying as much as possible to keep their balance and try to figure out, I guess that's what they will be doing. All right. Um, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Robert Kimboy from Lake Kipia.